Well, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Master, the tempest is raging. These are all phrases from hymns that we sing from time to time. And they all speak of difficult times that we pass through. And yet they are also songs of encouragement and strength. Count your many blessings. It is well with my soul. Peace, be still. And so as you sit here this morning, I ask you, what are you enduring? What trials are you undergoing this morning? Health crisis, family turmoil, financial difficulties, tragedy, depression, confusion, exhaustion. And have you ever been tempted to quit? To just give up, to turn back. Does it ever seem like your faith and commitment aren't really being awarded or rewarded like you think it ought to be? Does it appear as if God isn't listening? That it's all been worthless? That it would be so much easier if you gave up your faith and gave in to the world? If you're feeling that way now or you've ever felt that way, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to you. He wrote to those Jews who had become Christians, who were on the verge of giving up their Christianity and going back to their Jewish way of life. Now, you may sit here this morning and you may think to yourself, and my guess is there's probably not a single person in this room who is on the verge of giving up their Christianity and going back to Judaism. I'm not sure that we have a single person in this room who was ever a Jew and followed the Jewish ways, the Jewish laws. And so I kind of doubt that that's where any of you are, but... You may be on the verge of giving up and just going back into the world. These people had once been joyful, eager, and confident. But time had taken its toll. There was persecution all around. There were hardships. There were sorrows of all kinds. There was disappointments. And many began to feel like it just wasn't Worth it to go on. Is that you today? As you sit here and sing these songs. As you sit here and smile with everybody else. As you put on a good faith. Face. As you put on a good face. Inside. Is there a feeling of. Helplessness, hopelessness, frustration, on the verge of giving up. The writer of Hebrews gives us, well, first of all, first of all, don't. (laughs) Don't. 
Now, for many of you, you will remember and you think that I have gone senile and I have lost my mind. Because you know that 11 years ago, a little over 11 years ago, when I first started preaching being the full-time preacher, the first thing I ever did was preach through the book of Hebrews and it essentially was entitled, Don't Give Up. I, I remember that. I know that. But I love the book of Hebrews because it is written to encourage us. It is written to strengthen us. It is written to help us help each other keep on. And so, yes, I know that we did this a while ago, but many of you weren't here. Most of you don't remember anyway. And if you were here and you do remember, it doesn't hurt to review. And be reminded of these things. So I wanted us to think about the writer of Hebrews really gives us three themes in this letter to help us help each other. Okay? If you were going to write to a group of people who were on the verge of giving up, they're about to just toss it all in. What would you say to them to encourage them? How would you encourage them? Well, the writer, I think, focuses on three different areas. And first of all, is the area that in Christ, everything is better. Johnny, 13 times in the book of Hebrews, the writer either uses the word better, and this depends on your translation, either uses the word better, superior, or greater. In reference to Jesus Christ and his ministry, and what he provides for us. Now, for those Jewish Christians who are on the verge of going back to Judaism, essentially what the writer is saying is, have you lost your minds? Why would you go back to that which is inferior when what Christ brings you is superior? It is so much better. We like better things, don't we? Now, in our world, we equate, some of you equate, more modern with better. Some of you have to have the newest gadget. Because obviously, it's better. What iPhone are we up to now? Are we, do we, oh, eight? Ten? Huh? Oh, X, not 10. All right, well. See, you know, what do I know? My iPhone 3. (laughs) You know, but some of you have to have the newest one because it's supposedly better. All the time, the world promises us better things. Now, I'm convinced that they're not always better just because they're newer, you know. I, I... I went to go, uh, several years ago, we went, we, when we were going to, it, it was, it was right when, uh, uh, Molly was pregnant with, uh, Asher, thank you. <laughs> and we were going to Brazil. And so I decided that, you know, because she was like eight months pregnant or something when we went to Brazil, that I needed to get international calling on my phone so that, you know, somebody could get a hold of Jacob. So I go to the phone store. And I say, 
I'd like to get international calling on my phone. And the 12-year-old who was working behind the counter <laughs> laughed hysterically at me and said, you, you can't get international calling on that phone. <laughs> that phone is so old. So, of course, I had to upgrade. You know, I found out, I didn't even know this. I found out that on your plan that every so many years you, you, you get an upgrade. I never got one. I couldn't figure out why. I found out because my children and my wife had stolen all my upgrades. <laughs> and then they laughed at me because I had the old phone. But new is not always better. But in this case, Christ is better. Christ is superior. Again, you may not be going back to Judaism. You may be thinking about going back into the world. But I am telling you, don't. Because no matter what the world has to offer, Christ is better. No matter what the world says out there is going to be, going to be newer and funner and whatever, Christ is superior. So don't give up. Second theme that we have in the book of Hebrews is we are in this together. Thirteen let us passages, at least, in the book of Hebrews. Let us, let us, let us. Emphasizing the fact that we are in this together. That we're to be there for one another. You may be sitting here this morning and you may be saying, I have never been tempted to give up my Christianity. I have never been tempted to give up my faith. Nothing could ever happen in my life or to me that would make me do that. Well, thank God. Now, who are you going to help? Who are you going to encourage? What struggling person are you going to help get through this? It's not just about getting yourself through. It's about helping one another make it through and encouraging each other. And then thirdly, I think, is he says, watch out. In the book of Hebrews, there are a ton, and I didn't count them like I could one word, but there are a ton of warnings. He says, watch out. Be careful. Don't let this happen. How many times did Brother Norman tell us that there is just as much love in a warning as there is in a promise? I'm standing out in the middle of the street and the bus is coming. And you yell at me, watch out. That's encouragement. That's helping me. That's making sure nothing bad happens to me. And the writer of Hebrews in this book says, watch out, watch out, watch out. There are times in my life when I need you to tell me to watch out. Be careful. And for those of you again, who think, I'll never give up. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 20. He who thinks he stands, take heed. Lest you fall. We can look around this room this morning. Those of us that have been here a while. 
And we can see people who've given up, who quit, who never in a million years would we have thought they would have done that. And if you had asked them never in a million years would they have thought they would have done that. So there's warnings for all of us. Our theme verse, Johnny, is Hebrews 3, verses 13 and 14. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ. If we hold firm to the end, the confidence we had at first. And in these two verses, we see all three of these themes expressed. In Christ, everything is better. We have come to share in Christ. Now, the rest of this book, the rest of this letter, he's going to point out why being in Christ is better. But we come to share in Christ. In Christ, everything is better. Then he also tells us that we are in it together, but encourage one another as long as it is called today. And then he says, watch out that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness and that we share in Christ if... If we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first. Uh, Years ago, when I was a child, we did a lot of Bible verse memorization in our Bible classes. We've gotten away from that a little bit. I don't think we memorize nearly as much. Part of it has to do with the the multiple translations and it's hard to, you know, and and all of that. And I've told you before that even though I'm the preacher, even though I'm a minister, 90% of the verses I can quote, I learned when I was a kid. But I want to challenge us. I want to challenge you. Now, for Charlie... He's already got it memorized. He just looked at it. He's got it memorized. But for the rest of us, I'd like to challenge you to memorize these two verses. Memorize them. That'll do two things. One thing is we might be able to use it to encourage each other by encouraging each other using these verses. And the other thing is, is if we are trying to memorize it, we can't try to memorize it without thinking about it. And so when we're trying to memorize it, when we're thinking about it, I'm going to be reminded daily to encourage somebody, to help somebody. And so I want that to be our goal as we go through these lessons on the book of Hebrews, that we are here to encourage one another. Now this morning, I really wanted to start our study by talking about a little bit about why people give up. Why do people turn back? You say, wow, yeah, you're starting with the negative. Well, we got to kind of start with the negative before we can get to the positive. And the first reason I think that some people give up or turn back or, or whatever, quit the case may be, is because God disappoints them. Whoa. 
God ever disappointed you? Be honest. Something not turn out your way? God didn't deliver like you thought he was going to deliver? God didn't deliver like you wanted him to deliver? Things didn't turn out exactly as you thought they should? Some want belonging. Some want healing. Some want consequences of their sins taken away. Some want worldly peace in their lives. Some want, you know, all the frustrations and the confusion and all the bad things of this life to be taken away. And and they think that when they come to Christ, when they become a Christian, that God is going to make everything nice. God's going to take away all the hardships. God's going to take away all the trials. And then when that doesn't happen. In fact, in some cases, the trials may even become stronger. They may get even more intense. Then we may be tempted to say, God, that's not what you promised. That's not what I thought you were going to deliver. And throughout the Bible, we have people who were disappointed by God. Abraham and Sarah were disappointed by God. God said, you're going to have a son. Woo! And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. To the point was it was just about to get on the verge where it wasn't going to happen. So we're going to take things in our own hands. And they come up with the Hagar Ishmael thing, you know. And that turned out to be a disaster. And they waited and waited and waited. All this time being confused, being disappointed. And then God delivers. If you don't think that somebody close to God can in moments of their lives be disappointed by God, I challenge you to read the Psalms. Because how many times does David cry out to God? Are you there? Are you even listening? Do you not see what's going on down here? I'm trying to live a righteous life. And all these bad things are happening to me. And the wicked people out there, they're prospering like crazy. What is going on? Why is this happening? Job. Job. All the bad things that are happening to Job. And he doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it. And we rebuke. We kind of, you know, talk bad about his three friends and his wife. Because their theology was off. Their theology was... If something bad happens to you, it's because you sinned. And obviously, if all these bad things are happening to you, it must have been a big one. You know the problem with the book of Job? You've heard me say this before. The problem with the book of Job is Job thought exactly like his friends did. 
Job had the exact same theology. Job also believed that if bad things happen to you, it's because you sinned. What Job had a problem with and why he kept arguing with God is, is Job kept saying, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything to you. You obviously, somebody has stolen my identity and you've got me mixed up with somebody else's account. Because I have not done anything to deserve all of this. And he was frustrated with God. And he was disappointed with God. The disciples, bless their hearts. Jesus comes into their lives. He performs miracles. He teaches. And they are on cloud nine. They are excited. They have visions of this kingdom where Jesus is the king and the Jews are going to rise up and they're going to once and for all kick the Romans out and Israel is going to be great again like it was in the days of David and Solomon. And then Jesus begins to talk crazy. I've got to go to Jerusalem. And when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. Whoa! Peter rebukes him. The other disciples don't get it. They don't understand. That's such a disappointment. Other times in Jesus' ministry, the people who had come to, to get fed, when Jesus finally said, whoa, I'm done. I'm not feeding you anymore physically. You want to come to me as the bread of life? I'll feed you spiritually. There's not going to be any more bread. They walked away. He disappointed them. Has God disappointed you in your life? It's not God that's disappointed. It's your expectations that were wrong. Jesus never promised ever that things were going to be great and perfect from here on out with our lives. In fact, he promised the exact opposite. He said, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some hard times. And so, when we come to God, we've got to expect that. And not give up just because it doesn't seem like God is answering the way we wanted him to. Secondly, the draw of the past life. Some people come to Christ, they're leaving behind a way of life, leaving behind friends, family, habits, activities. And after a while, Satan uses these things to draw them back into that way of life. 1 Peter 4, 4, we talked about this. Of course your former friends are surprised when you do not join them in the wicked things that they do. That's part of the problem in the book of Hebrews, you see. They were comfortable with Judaism. They were comfortable with the old way of life. They were comfortable with the laws and they were comfortable with all of this. This Christianity thing was a little different. It was a little, it was a little odd and, and you know, their fam- many of them, their families had disowned them. They were social outcasts because they were Christians and, and it was just so much easier to just go back into the old way of life. Much more comfortable. If you've come out of the world It may seem to be more comfortable to go back into the world. 
It may seem to be that that's where you belong. The draw may be, may be great there. And some of us, and you know what I'm saying. Some of us who were never really out there in the world. Now lost is lost. We can talk about that later. Never really out there in the world. It may not necessarily be the draw of the past life. Drawing us back. But maybe the draw of the other life. Oh man. Look at what the world has to offer. Look at what's out there. It just seems more fun. It just seems there's other stuff out there that that I want to experience. I want to enjoy. And this rigid Christian life just isn't for me right now. So I want to go back. Or not go back, but I want to go over, as it were. But we don't do that. Thirdly, some people give up because they're choked out by worldly concerns. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, talked about the seed that was planted among the thorns. The zeal was choked out by concerns and activities of this life. Not necessarily bad things. You know, this is kind of a difference between the second and third one. The second one kind of implies those, those wicked things that the world has to offer. That Satan makes look good, but we know are not good for us. This one I think has more to do with things that aren't in and of themselves bad. Is loving our family bad? No. Is having a job and taking care of our family bad? No. Is having a little fun and recreation, are those things bad? No. But can they choke out our spiritual life? Can they choke out our relationship with God? Yeah. Even good things, or things that in and of themselves are neither good nor bad, can become such an influence on us that it chokes out Our spiritual life. And it happens a lot of times so gradually. I'll just miss here. I just don't want to do that today. And and then before we know it, we've gotten out of the habit. We don't see the need anymore. And so our spiritual life is gone. And we've given up. We've turned back. Fourthly, some people give up because they disappoint themselves. Huh? There is no doubt that God calls us to a high standard. Be holy as I am holy, he says. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, Jesus said. What a daunting task. Seems almost impossible. I think. See if your experience is the same as as mine. And I've. We've talked about this before. But when I was 12 years old. And I decided to put on Christ in baptism. When I came up out of that water. I felt. Invincible. I was super Christian. 
somebody asked me this morning if I was into the Marvel or whatever, you know, superhero stuff. Not so much, but I was that day. Because I was Superman, Batman, Iron Man, whatever, all rolled into one. And I knew from that moment on, Satan didn't have a chance. I was never going to sin again. Any of y'all feel that way? When you came to Christ? Bring it on, Bubba. I don't know how long it was. I'm guessing not 24 hours. And I'd sinned. Now what? Now what? I can't do it. It's impossible. If I can't stay strong and remain faithful right after, you know, how am I ever going to do it further down the road? I just need to quit. I need to give up. It's hopeless. I'm hopeless. But that's what part, that's what maturing as a Christian is. I think God calls us to perfection. God calls us to holiness. But he settles, and I don't know if that's the word, for faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to still make mistakes. But it's not going to be like before. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to continue in it. I'm not going to boast about it. I'm going to be repentant. I'm going to be sorrowful. I'm going to to focus myself on not doing that again. I'm going to surround my people who will encourage me not to continue in that lifestyle. Romans chapter 7. Don't we love that chapter? That's the one, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and I can't quote it because you talk about confusing. That's the one where Paul says, that which I wish to do, I don't do, and that that I don't want to do, I do. And, and he goes on, and it's just like, and he comes to the very end, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And if it ended there, how sad it would be. Paul, can we think of anybody more spiritual? Can we think of anybody stronger in the faith than Paul? And Paul goes through this, that that I want to do, I can't do, and that that I don't want to do, I do. And uh, Oh, wretched man that I am, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Wow. Wow. We don't give up just because we mess up. We get up. And we keep going. Fifthly, and unfortunately quickly, some give up because of the discouragement of others. We know that this, of all places, ought to be a place of support and encouragement, right? If people are seeking help, if people are seeking encouragement, if people are hurting Is this not the very place where they ought to find that? We know it is. 
We know it is. And yet the reality. And yet the reality is. That this sometimes is the very place where people find discouragement. Years ago I was talking with a young lady who was coming back to the church after a, a long absence and, and some dealings in the world. And I was trying to tell her how many people loved her and cared about her and, and about, you know, how many people, you know, the church family and that there are those who, who are concerned about her. But I also warned her. I said, but you know, Somebody's liable to say something hurtful. Somebody is liable to say something discouraging. It ought not be that way. But we can't let that keep us from continuing to serve God. You remember when David went to battle Goliath? We think of the the, the big threat... We think of the big uh, uh, enemy he had to face as Goliath, right? Goliath was the least of David's worries. David had to battle his brothers. David had to battle the other soldiers. David had to battle Saul before he could ever even get to Goliath. Those people who should have been the ones to encourage him. We're actually discouraging him. Paul and Barnabas go on their missionary journey and they come back and they're going to go on their second missionary journey. Barnabas wants to take John Mark and Paul says, not a chance. We took him last time and he deserted us right in the middle of the mission trip. I'm not taking him again. And Barnabas had let Paul run roughshod over him. Who knows where John Mark would have been. But Barnabas dug his heels in and said, no, no, no. We're taking him. We're taking him. I'm convinced he's worth saving. And eventually, it got so contentious that they had to part ways. Paul takes Silas, Barnabas takes John Mark, and we all know what happens. The end of Paul's life, he's in prison. And he tells Timothy, Timothy, hurry up. Hurry up, get here before winter, and I want you to bring three things. Bring me the parchments so I can read the scriptures. Bring me my coat, that's why I want you to get here before winter. And bring me John Mark, because he is good for my soul. What? That same John Mark? Yeah. Because even though Paul was a discouragement to John Mark, Barnabas encouraged him. And Paul eventually realized, you know what? John Mark's worth having around after all. We can't let discouragement from other people keep us from staying faithful to God And lastly, 
very quickly. Some people give up because they never they never get involved. They never get involved. They come and they just kind of are here and, you know, never really invest into the church family. You know, the church family is a two way street. We need to do our very best to encourage people and draw them in and get them involved and make them feel comfortable and make them feel important and make them feel needed and and all of that. That is our responsibility to each other. But we have a responsibility to church family too. To be available. To try to make an effort to be a part. We need those people to encourage us, but we need to be encourageable, not incorrigible. That's a different word. Encourageable. And we need to find our place and and want to find our place in the family of God. Now, there are many other reasons why people may give up, why people may turn back, why people may quit. But here's the thing. Not a single one is good enough. Just now reminded that I did a sermon not too long ago on reasons people don't become a Christian. It's similar to this. No reason is good enough to lose our soul. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling his readers. Don't quit. Don't give up. Encourage one another. What you have is so much better. Christ is superior. Encourage each other. And watch out. Watch out. If you're here this morning and you're struggling... In an audience this size, there may very well be those who are on the verge... Of just chunking it. You're putting on a good face. You're faking it real well. But you know who you are. And if there's some way we can help or encourage you this morning. We invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson. You have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding. Find a closer relationship with God and his son Jesus Christ. Our living savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.